Hi, I'm Carrie Adams and you're listening to Carrie's Corner. Here we talk to the movers and shakers, the drinkers, the dreamers, the people who make it happen in the liquor industry around the world. So, let's get sipping. and uh, really lovely to have a good conversation with you again. I'm looking forward to it. I know, it's such fun. So for the listeners, James chaired the panel for the South African Shannon Blanc uh, Standard Bank Top 10 Challenge. And it's no mean feat, as everybody knows, because we have to judge blind. I assume you judged blind, Jamo, did you? We judged blind and we looked at about um, 138 wines in total over a two-day period in separate flights of 24, so roughly you know, 48 plus wines on a day. Yes. So blind, blind tasting is crucial to this kind of competition. Now, I wanted to just chat to you about blind tasting because the jury is out. Um, I am a big preponderant of blind tasting because I can remember very early on when I came back to South Africa, I went to do a tasting at Michael Fridjohn's offices where before he even went to Rockridge Road, he was in Parkwood, I think. Or Forest Town. And I was freshly back in South Africa having done tasting and whatever overseas. And Michael did a very clever tasting. It was two flights of wines, and we didn't know what he was doing. But in true Fridge on tradition, it was a little bit tricky. And we subsequently found out that they were exactly the same two flights of wine. One was sighted and one was blind. And it was very interesting to see the difference in scoring when the judges were able to see the label. Do you agree? Definitely. And I I think what's important for the listeners to understand is that um, judging is very much a subjective exercise. It's just the nature of wine. But blind tasting takes away any biases, which allows you to look at what's in the glass. It allows the opportunity to discover wines. Well, when you're tasting sighted, you have the wines in front of you and you can make a, a, you're aware of provenance, where the wines come from and the backstory. So you have a different kind of interpretation. So they both have a very important role to play. They do. And let's be honest. I mean, if you see a bottle, if you see a label that says Chateau Lafitte in front of you, you feel somewhat intimidated by it as a judge and you, and you feel that you have to give it your very, very best attention because it's, it's earned its stripes in the world of wine, hasn't it? That's not to say that there aren't some really bad vintages from Chateau Lafitte. So if you were being completely objective, you would judge it on merit, which is what you really have to do. And as a judge, I think we agree that that's what you really have to keep on pulling yourself back into place while you're judging wine, to give each and every wine its very best shot at what is actually in the glass on the day. Yeah, so Carrie, what's very important, and it's something that I always carry with me, uh, I guess pun intended, I guess, but I mean, (laughs) it's very important when you're tasting wine, especially when tasting blind, you've got, you've got two jobs, you know, on the one hand, you're looking at the wine to communicate to the consumer. In other words, you have to be honest to make sure the consumer gets the best service from you. The other side is to have the respect and show respect for the winemakers endeavors and their artistic kind of craft. So it's a real fine line that you walk where you you need to look after the consumer, but you need to respect the producer as well. And that's when the wine in front of you 
that's how your head must work. It must be in that space. And, you know, what do you think, before we get on to what was actually in the Shannon Blanc Challenge, which I'm so excited about because I think you guys did an amazing job and we came up with some fabulous results and the whole country needs to know about it because Shannon Blanc is a sort of an unsung hero of most wine industries around the world and I know that you and I both love it. But now I've got myself so carried away talking to you, I forgot what I was going to ask you about. <laughs> That's ridiculous. The quality of the South African Shenan that you that you were tasting, you went on record as to say that it was some of the finest Shenan that you'd ever had the privilege of tasting. Expand on that a bit for us. Yeah, so I think to give the listeners a bit of background, what you know, it kind of puts me in a little bit of a position, very fortunate to be able to make statements like that, is that um, I was fortunate enough to taste all the old vine Shannons early in the year, where we tasted about 100 of the top old vine Shannons blind. And this included all the, the rock star winemakers out there that don't really enter competitions. You know, yes. so the Arlette, the David Nadias, the Rawls, the Savages, all those wines were in there blind, uh, spectacular, uh, you know, absolutely spectacular tasting. I was then involved with the Trophy Wine Show, where Shannon also showed its showed its face. And then, obviously, with the Wine Mag panel as well, we also tasted Chenin Blanc, again blind. Mm -hmm. And then, finally, as the chair for the Standard Bank Chenin Blanc Challenge. So, my my Chenin needle is completely dialed in at the moment. Yeah, and wow. Chenin is, is just on fire. It is, it is a absolutely, I think, uh, Ken Forrest has coined this phrase or, or, or used this analogy, where Chenin is our calling card internationally. Chenin is our white wine chariot. It's become... The definition of fine wine in South Africa, the top end wines demand prices, which I think are globally competitive and makes, makes people stand up and take us seriously. Yes. We are, to my mind now, officially the benchmark for Chenin Blanc in the world. You know, That's Loire, fantastic. That's something to celebrate. No, it's awesome. And if you think about it, Loire is the other home of Chenin Blanc. Those wines are just almost so different that that's Loire, but Chenin Blanc mm. as a great variety, there's no, there's no, we are the international benchmark. And That's amazing and panel, such good news. I mean, you sit on a panel tasting Chenin Blanc in South Africa, you have to keep that in mind, that you are busy with – you're not thinking about whether this fits in Burgundy or whether this is top in Champagne or whether this is a, a, a Chateauneuf de Pape White or anything like that. This is – you decide how good these wines are. And, Carrie, one of the interesting things we did this year, because of this blind tasting and the plethora of these incredible Chenins in South Africa, a lot of them getting a lot of top in press um, – Many of the most amazing producers don't enter the competition. Purely, yes. they don't need to. Secondly, they don't have stock, and their wines just sell out very quickly, usually mm -hmm. highly rated by international critics. So there's no, there's no uh, impetus on them to have their wines in there. Mm -hmm. And one of, one of the things we did this year to keep us nice and honest on our toes is to include a benchmark wine in each flight from I outside saw of that. the competition. And that helps to keep you honest. And the, the overall finding which was pretty awesome, is that those wines would have would have really had to struggle to, to get to the top 10. You know, we might have had one or two of them, but the, it wasn't a walk-in. And I think it's very crucial that the listeners take that away from this competition, that these wines that came through, many of them uh, seven-year repeat top 10 performers, yes. are world-class. These wines are 95-plus point wines on any given Sunday, as they say. So awesome. I think it was, yeah, I think it was a really clever way of judging, which is another one of the reasons why I wanted to speak to you because sometimes you really can 
miss the wood for the trees. If we have a look at Shannon in South Africa, Ken Forrester is the king of Shannon Blanc. I don't care what anybody says. He is the, I suppose maybe at this stage of the game, and please God, he doesn't shout and scream at us, but I think he's the granddaddy of Shannon Blanc in South Africa. He was the first person to hit upon this little grape. It's not such a little grape. It's a nice, big, fat, juicy grape, actually. But it was the vehicle for millions of liters of brandy in South Africa for many, many years. And we all know, I've said it before on my programs, that Chenin Blanc is a very honest grape. You can plant three vines in your back garden and drink wine from it for the whole year because it just delivers, it just over-delivers on yield. But I wanted you to explain to the listeners how it is that all of a sudden we are mining these gorgeous old vines that I know you're a big sort of follower of, um, and you know much more about them than I do. But all of a sudden, things that used to be like Swartland cooperative wines and what have you are raising their hands and saying, me, 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 just have a look at me and taste and smell me and feel me. And people like the, the Saudis, as you said, um, Eben and David Saudi, and all the little revolutionaries in the Swartland they're finding these old vines. What's the relevance of an old vine? What does it do for the wine at the end of the day? Well, I think it's, it's quite a loaded question, but I'm going to try and explain it by using the map of South Africa. So mm. if you take South Africa and you would plant it under Sauvignon Blanc, the whole country, you have a better chance of finding the best place where Sauvignon Blanc should be grown. Yes. And Chenin Blanc has pretty much done that job. So... There's a massive amount of plantings out there, which gives you a, a better shot at finding the, the place where Chenin Blanc is the happiest. And because of that, that massive kind of map that you can mine from, your learning curve on what works for Chenin is much higher. So there's a return on investment in terms of having put it everywhere in South Africa, to put it that way. Um, so we're very fortunate, very blessed that because of this, there's a discovery that this wine, this grape variety, is perfectly suited to South Africa. The back end is as well that there's been a lot of kind of clonal mutation or yes. very variations that have adapted to the South African climate that's unique to anywhere in the world. And there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes now, what they call the Massal selection, where they're looking at propagating these Chenin Blanc varieties that, you know, that kind of clonal material that's working brilliantly in South Africa. So that in a nutshell is really where it's from, what it's about. The back end is that, you know, uh, the whole Swatland revolution where this old vine journey was started has mm. shown other people the direction as to what can be done with these brilliant vineyards when the work in the vineyard is done properly first. So you find mm. the right place because the grape is kind of happy. Then you do extra work from a viticultural point of view and suddenly you have these superstar grapes. Once yes. you have these superstar grapes, you start thinking aesthetically with a better vision and you start making more attuned wines, you know, where there's almost a bit of an artistic approach, more natural, yes. natural yeast use, uh, less oak, more complicated maturation vessels. People are using concrete and four eyes. Yes. Don't you love that. those concrete oh, vessels? They, yeah, they impart they, that beautiful wet stone sort of minerality to the wine, yeah. don't they? They give the wines a cool core and keep them happy and narrow because we've got a lot of sunshine. At the end of the day, we have to balance the sunshine and bring freshness to our wines. So that in a nutshell is why Chenin Blanc is such a massive success. And it, it seems to be overnight, but uh, we forget that um, 
Old Iruna van der Holt had a Chenin Blanc and a blue bottle called Old Vine Chenin. And that Do you was remember like that? Early, yeah. In the early 90s, guys. So this is, yeah. this is not like it happened in the last five years. This has been a really long story and it is a massive success for South Africa. I think it's brilliant. And for the, for the listeners again, the flavor profiles on Chenin Blanc, I can remember sort of explaining it to my people who used to come to tastings and we used to discover and explore together. And Chenin Blanc was for me sort of the fruit salad of the white wine varieties. It had something of everything in it where Chardonnay was quite sort of easily drawn to citrusy. Um, and Sauvignon Blanc was easily drawn to the two sort of styles that we're all familiar with now, those sort of um, asparagusy ones or the gooseberry and, and passion fruit ones. Chenin Blanc had something of everything in it. You could, if you really put your mind to it, you could smell in Chenin Blanc, you could smell guavas and mangoes and lychees and pears and apples and peaches. It's, it's just got such a broad spectrum of aromatics and flavors in it, which is what makes it so exciting for me. And I think that the value of the old vines that our boys are all quite rightly getting so excited about is that, dare I sort of liken it to the human, to the human being where when you're young, you're beautiful and you think you know everything and you have a massive opinion when you know absolutely nothing or close to nothing, but you're nice to look at. and and you can talk a lot and you can be energetic and you can be noisy. And when you get older, all of those sort of things disappear. But you've got many more rings on the tree. And what you bring to the party, you need make only one statement for it to be hugely impactful. And I think that the old vines are producing or yielding less fruit, but much more important fruit. Don't you think? I think that fruit is so important and so wise. I love those old vines and, and the honey and the, you know, the character that's coming out of those old vines is just edible. Shannon has everything. And I think that's what makes it such a great variety is that it can pull people in from all kinds of different um, taste profiles. Mm. It does make it challenging because it's very difficult for people to know exactly what they're going to get from a bottle of Shannon. If I said to you, give my listeners one quick, sort of a pricey, what are they going to get in a modern-day South African Shannon? That's a very difficult one. I'm going to go for, you're going to get a, a purity of fruit and a lovely kind of freshness on the wine, but it's mostly on the palate where you're going to get something different. You're going to get acidity that sits in a different place to your Chardonnay, and you're going to get a wine that has ripe stone fruit, but of the best examples now have this beautiful salinity and and a saltiness that's coming through that I also find a Moorishness. We forget, you know, if you have something sweet, the more you have it, it, it kind of tires the palate. And this kind of saltiness that's come through from the from the old vine um, wines are really something special. And they also add a bit more texture. And texture, yeah. I think, is a very complicated word maybe, but texture gives you a mouthfeel that gives weight to the wine without being um, driven by oak or by glycerol-y fats like alcohol and RS. Mm. So... Um, that, in a nutshell, makes it very complicated. But well, that's good enough. It's not complicated. You've done a fantastic job of telling everybody why they should be drinking Shannon. James, if we go to the top 10 Shannons that came in no particular order, I don't think, but the list that I got sent to me, Bellingham, the Bernard series, Old Vines, it is just repeatedly delicious. 
they really, really have made that wine into a bit of an iconic wine in South Africa. I love that Bellingham Bernard series. Yeah, so, so Bellingham is um, underrated. We forget that it's an old property, an old name, and they've got access to these incredible old vineyards as well and um, mm. a really skilled winemaking team. And at the end of the, end of the day, this range is a range where the winemakers are allowed to, to, I want to say experiment, but to express themselves and make the best possible wine they can. I know Tim Hutchinson is great with that. He really does give them a bit of a license to kill. You know, they can get out there and do whatever they like as long as they produce the results at the end of the day. Then we move on to De Morganson's Reserve Shannon, my darling Wendy Applebaum. She has to just be saluted for everything that she stands from the rooftops and shouts about. And that wine was could have been a one vintage wonder. Her maiden vintage, if you remember, got five stars in platter. It was made by Teddy Hall, and it it was awarded five stars in platter, the very first vintage she ever bottled. It's obviously still drinking beautifully. Her, her wines are amazing, and I mean, it's had seven consecutive top ten finishes now since the 2015 vintage. That's pretty spectacular. Wow. So that is spectacular. You, you can't question the quality of De Morgan's Shannon Reserve. Um, it's become a more, refi- a more refined over the years, I'd like to think. That's part of the, the challenge when it comes to Chenin Blanc. There's lots of competition. So yes. absolutely stellar. Well done. And uh, Winnie would be proud. And, you know, she's a great champion for when wines do well. And it's well-deserved. Yeah, me too. Then Guardian Peak Donkeys by Stirn. And Stirn, we'll just remind everybody, was the old-fashioned South African word for, for Shannon Blanc. And we all used to get drunk on Niederberg Stier. Was it Niederberg Stirn or Stein? I think they used to call they it called Stein. It, they called it Stein. But, uh, <laughs> oh, but it was Shannon. It, was, it would have been Shannon-based. I almost yeah. I'm not, don't want to put my head on a block here, but it would have been Shannon-based yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a newcomer to the competition, the donkeys buy from from Guardian Peak. Nice. Yes, it's, it's a pretty awesome wine. It's from, you know, Pickenewskloof, which for listeners, if you don't know, it's it's part of the Citrus Dull um, wine of origin area, quite high up. So these vineyards are 450 up to 700 meters above sea level in that area. And yes. it's home to some of our really top Chenin Blancs coming from there. Really Thank cool, you. Alt- you know, altitude, climate. I'm adding to the quality that you get from the grapes. But this Donkey's Buy is specifically one of those that's really beautifully linear, which means it's a, it's a, and it's got that lovely salinity that I, that I mentioned before. Yeah, that tightness. We like, we like tight Shannon every now and again. You know, Shannon can yeah. be one of two things. It can be sort of wobbly old lady without a corset, really. And it's still delicious if it's old and honeyed and juicy and mouth filling. That's gorgeous. But I, I'm with you. Hey, there's no, um, there's no replacing this lovely tightness that we're getting from some of these new Shannons that you keep alluding to. Ken Forrester's Terra Noir Shannon Blanc 2020. I was so chuffed to see that Ken was in the top 10 because he really deserves to be there. He is Mr. Shannon Blanc. Yeah, it's great. And I mean, the FMC 2018 also did very well on one of the previous competitions. Yes. What's, um, really a bit of a tongue in cheek, quite funny about this wine is this wine is from the Swartant. So Ken Forrest, oh goodness, Mr. Stannebosch is uh, he's one that did well this time was from Swartland, and I mean that's where the, the name alludes to that as well, Terre Noire, you know. So yes, yes, and then um, of course two the two cleaners alters. So Alistair Rimmer is very proficient when it comes to being in charge of a cellar that produces 
award-winning wines. And, of course, having spoken about Wendy Applebaum earlier, Alistair has now left Klanazalsa and gone to join Wendy at DMZ. But I was chuffed to see that both the vineyard selection and the, the family reserve, Chenin Blanc, and again, James, all all sort of kudos to you and your team for pulling out these wines because you didn't really, in my book anyway, you didn't miss a beat when it came to my favorite Chenin Blancs in South Africa. So the Kleiner Zaltzers were both drinking beautifully. They were. And again, I think for the listeners here, what's pretty amazing is that, you know, this panel rotates every three years. Yeah. And, you know, even, even my support members on the panel change every now and again. So for this panel to constantly pull out the same wines just really speaks to the quality of these producers and to their kind of uh, absolute kind of persistence at increasing the quality and their excellence. And Kleiner Zalza is right up there with that. You know, Kleiner Zalza, yeah, they're just doing different things in the cellar every year to try and stay ahead of the pack. So pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty well done. Yeah, groundbreaking stuff. La Belle Rebelle, talk to me. I don't know who La Belle Rebelle is. Please introduce me to her, him, they, us, them. It's a her, and this is from Breda Kloof. Um Again, interestingly enough, this wine has come through quite a few panels now. I think in the Wine Mag panel, it also came through as one of our top wines. It's from Old Vines. It's one of those that I really like the texture on this wine. I alluded to texture before, and the texture to me is something that's uh, akin to uh, new porcelain or a little bit of nougat or a bit of almond mm. paste. And it's got that lovely broadness on the palate without being being fat and, and wobbly. So, is, so it a bit, is it a bit silky but still quite tight? Yeah, silky. It would be one of the broader and richer wines on the list. Mm. We also try to award different styles, which I think is really important to understand that you, you can't just try and go for one style all the mm. time. Right? Um, so a really exciting newcomer and worthwhile watching out. And and do you know what sort of price point we're talking about there? The I do have it here somewhere. It, that's about two hundred and forty rand a bottle. Oh, and, and it's obviously oaked. Hmm? It is oaked, yes. Mm. Um, it's one mm. of the. It's also one of the wines that um, it's probably got the most new oak in it. Okay. Where what we saw, we saw a lot of mix of older and different oak vessels across the board. And then from a price point of view, the wines range from about one hundred and forty, one hundred and fifty rand up to four four fifty. Um, so there's a nice spread of price points as well with yes. the Klanazalt uh, um, vineyard selection, really just a smashing bargain at about 140. <laughs> I know, it's amazing. <laughs> then Leflant Vineyards, Old Vine, Chenin Blanc. I was quite surprised to see Leflant in there because Leflant is a farm that flies deeply under the radar. You don't see it winning much of anything, really. Um, I was I was surprised. I don't think it's been in that lineup before, has it? No, it hasn't. And, and Leaflant is um, going through a resurrection. It's part yes. of the man group. So Jose Conde and Terrell Mayberg and that team. So this is sourced from outside of Stellenbosch, but um, Leaflant as a property, as a brand is, is going to see a massive resurgence. They've, they're going to make some really good and interesting wines. And so watch the space. I well, mean, that's fantastic to hear. I'm pleased to hear that because they've had a very rocky sort of history for the last couple of years. And it's such a beautiful property. I think that it could and should be right up there with the rest. Simon Sich. Oh, we just absolutely love to see a Hans Wine in any single lineup of awards. He just continually makes. There are a couple of farms in, in South Africa. Simon Sich being one of them. Valera is another one. Salima is another one. Well, you just know it's like comfy slippies. You know that if you go into the shop and you're in a, you know, in a shelf where you lost and you've got tight, horrible new shoes on, 
The Simon Sikh is going to be that comfortable pair of slippers that you can go to when you just know it's going to be gorgeous. Yeah, you, you're safe when you grab a bottle of, of Simon Sikh and the Avection is pretty much the best that they can produce from Simon Sikh. So I'm really chuffed to your hand that that has come through. Um, it's an amazing wine, single vineyard, vineyard orientated and again, a wine that's made in a very sophisticated way. You know, a lot of attention to detail and a wine that packs a bit of power as well and sure, one, sure to last for the next five years or so. Fantastic. And lastly, Stellenrist Old Bush Vine. And again here, we're seeing lots of old bush vines, and that's what you and I have been saying. It does produce these wines that are almost edible. They're mouth-filling. Um, oh, they're just so gorgeous. I could have one right now, and it's actually really early in the morning. What about you, James? I don't know. I, I was thinking <laughs> actually sitting here with a glass of Shannon, but then I thought, you know, <laughs> pre-10 o'clock, unprofessionally. Uh, no, you not- don't want to. You don't want to, you don't want to offend anybody at this stage of the game, do you? I mean, promoting, no. drinking Shannon Blanc at nine o'clock in the morning, not a goodie. No, James, maybe Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah, Sunday, you can, Sunday, I know, Sunday, you've got to make a brunch. deal. Yeah. James, um, to wrap up, where to from here with Shannon? I mean, you've already outlined that you think it's shooting the lights out. We are setting standards internationally for the Shannon that we're producing. If you were to give anybody, a listener, a drinker, your common or garden, let's buy wine, man, um, you're allowed three. You're allowed to give them three of James Peterson's recommendations for Shannon for this weekend. What would they be? I would definitely go for um, – I'm, I'm, Absolutely in love with Chris Arlite's cartology at the moment, which is 92% Chenin Blanc. If you can get it, though, it's always out of stock because there's hardly any. It should be around a little bit because it's just been released. So look out for that for a real treat. Um, Then I think you can't go wrong with Stalinrist's Bushvine. I mean, it's just Mm. super quality. At the price? Yeah, no, it's, it's absolute spectacular value. So that's really something really special. And then, you know, go for that donkey's buy. That donkey's buy to me is something that I'm really enjoying at the moment. I like that. I am definitely going to try that. I haven't tasted the Guardian Peak donkey's buy. I'm definitely going to try it. And it's got a beautiful label. It's a nice bottle. You know, there's no mention of Guardian Peak on there. Actually, it's just got this donkey's buy, which is a reference to it. That's not um, Jean Engelbrecht's donkey's buy, is it? It is Jean Engelbrecht's donkey's buy, which refers to a farmer. What are you talking about? That's I it. thought that it was a completely new, and I was going to say, Guardian Peak Donkey's Buy, is there no conflict of interest with, with Jean Engelbrecht's Donkey's Buy? No, it's, it's interesting that it's put under the Guardian Peak branding, because I think Donkey's Buy, in my mind, stands apart and on its own. So I would definitely go look out, look out for that wine. Oh, I'll second you on that. That Donkey's Buy is delicious. And if we want to get even sexier and cleverer, he also makes... A sticky Shannon Blanc from Donkey's Buy. That Correct. Hoi, that hoi vein. Hoi vein. Hoi vein. Hoi vein. It's, yeah, hoi vein. It's nice. absolutely, well, honestly, I don't even know. You've got to be so careful what you say, but I used to say in the olden days, you'd sort of kill your granny for that, but you're not allowed to say that kind of thing anymore, but we've just said it. So sorry to anybody that I offended, but it is that. That donkey's by steer and that hoy vein is just delicious. So if this Guardian Peak is is anywhere near that, I've tasted the old donkey's by steer, but mm. I didn't know that they'd relabeled it under under the Guardian Peak. 
stable. It's the same label. It's just, you know, I think it's just reference to the fact that it's produced by Garden Peak. It always has been produced by Garden Peak because that's a brand of Rest and Freda, you know, so. Yes, yes. That's how that works. And then don't forget uh, Ken Forrest's FMC, you know, recent vertical tasting yeah. of those wines. These wines last. They are sensational food wines. Have it on the table. They sometimes have a little bit of, of, of residual sugar on them that just loves food, loves seafood, mm. loves something sweet. Give loves us a quick dish. Food. Give us a quick dish for in Johannesburg. It's going to be lovely weather, I think, on Sunday. So we've got, uh, we've got Chris Alhate's cartology. We've got yes. Ken Forrester's FMC. You've cheated and taken four, but we'll allow you that. <laughs> Stellenrist Old Bush Vine Shannon, and then the Garden Peak Donkeys by Stian. So yeah. what are you going to cook with it, just so that everybody can have something look, to look the, forward The Bush Vine I'll have as a as an aperitif to get me all excited, and then once you have a, like a nice plate of oysters after that with the Donkeys oh. Vine, then Savoring is going to pick that up. Then you move into the cartology that can handle a nice – a lighter kind of savory style dish if you're into white mm. meats, something like fish or chicken that's, chicken, that's not yeah. overdone. And then you can move on to, if you want to do something a little bit more more interesting, uh, as a main course, you can do something that's got a lot of ginger and lemongrass and coconut milk. That's a good idea. With the FMC. And you can just keep that FMC, FMC and cartology on the table and go over to some really nice salty soft cheeses. And just thank Providence that we're alive and we're in South Africa and we've got this amazing Shannon Blanc and an amazing person like you, James, who chaired that panel with absolute style and class and you've come up with an amazing result. So we'll put all these things. This will go up as a little podcast on my Carrie's Corner for the Biz News um, platforms. I'm so confused as to how they do this. Dudu's very clever. She's got platforms all over the place. So there's radio programs and there's podcasts and there's newsletters and there's all kinds of things. Somewhere, guys, you will come across my discussion with James. He's given us some amazing advice of beautiful Shannon Blanks to drink for not only the weekend but going forward for summer. James, you remain an asset to the industry. Thank you so much for spending time with me on Carrie's Corner. It was an absolute pleasure. Drink Shannon. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you very much. Bye. Cheers, Bye. Bye. Bye.